Hello, everyone. Welcome to Back Into the Fire, your weekly NWA podcast review show with the deans of NWA podcasting, <laughs> along with my co-host, Mr. Andy Hayworth. I'm Joe Till. This week, we'll be reviewing episode 12 of Power. It's a very stylish episode, I would say, uh, talking about the, the various styles of, of Nick Aldis and... Uh, yes. And who else? Eli Drake and his shoes and his other shoes. That's right, folks. We're actually a fashion podcast that just happens to talk about NWA wrestling. We kind of learned some of the background on um, some of the woes that some of these wrestlers are, are having, particularly uh, with some of the female wrestlers. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Uh, they've introduced the uh, girl power segment there, it looks like. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a little high school drama-esque, but fun to listen to all the same. We also learn about how Colt Cabana is trying to be peacemaker between Eli Drake and uh, Ken Anderson. It seemed like Drake was trying to sort of ask him, ask Colt to join up with him a little bit, but it looks like Colt has Anderson's back on this one. So uh, I don't know. Are we going to see a team up there with those two guys? You never know. You never know. So what were your overall feelings of this episode? Well, I had one big takeaway from this episode, and uh, that takeaway is I finally know what the Nick Aldis gold watch is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not an Invicta. It's not an Invicta. It is a diesel Ironside. That's the name of that watch. And uh I think it's about a two to three hundred dollar watch, so it's not a cheap watch. I finally know the name of it. It's not an Invicta, so I guess Invicta won't be sponsoring us now. But I was very happy to finally figure that out, and I, I think I could say that with a hundred percent certainty. We did see a Invicta on the show before, though, didn't we? Yeah, I think he had on uh, an Invicta when he uh, when they did that uh, that heel heel turn yeah. against Tim Storm. Gotcha. He, he had on a different watch for that. And that was that Invicta Russian diver. I'm pretty sure. And right. I haven't figured out what the Pope's watch yeah. is, but it too looks like an Invicta. So uh, anyway, there was a good bit of fashion talk on this show, though, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, um, we we got the uh, a look at the jackets again. The the um, got the official name of the of the group of the gang. I guess we got a little crowd shaming for Aldis's uh, custom made suits. Which, of course, he took offense to. I think somebody in the crowd said it was a cheap suit, right? Yeah, he did say it was a cheap suit, but Aldis explained that it wasn't nicely. Well, it looks it looks good on him, at least. I don't know if it's cheap or not. I don't know what kind of suit it is, but he, he looks good wearing it. He had the nice pink tie there. and uh, Yeah. I have to say, though, the name of the heel group there is Strictly Business. I don't like that name too much. And I'll tell you, yeah. I'll tell you why. It's because I just can't remember what the name is. And uh, strictly business, yeah, you know, like you know, the four horsemen, you remember that. You remember, I swear, two minutes after he said what the name was, I couldn't remember what it was, and I had to roll back and, and check it out. But yeah, I did too. Was it well, wasn't that a, an 80s movie, or that was that risky? That was risky business, wasn't it? The 80s movie, yeah. If they'd called themselves risky business, yeah, that, that probably would have been a little more yeah. memorable, but strictly business. Uh, I, don't know. I like those jackets, uh, that's an interesting logo they're using. It looks like sort of an eagle with a uh, yeah. A hand hand grip in the middle there, uh, shaking hands in the middle. Just afraid if nobody knew better, somebody would accuse you of being a Nazi or something wearing that. 
without getting a good look at it. Well, the the, the uh, shaking hands is like a Masonic emblem too. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe Nick Aldis is a Freemason or something. Uh, maybe he is. I don't know. We also heard fashion statement uh, or at least a replay of. I didn't even catch it in last week, but Eli Drake calling his jacket shoes of a champion. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the realizing, best parts. <laughs> realizing what he said and then laughing about it. Yeah, that was good. Uh, he said, what did I say? <laughs> shoes of a champion? <laughs> I tell you, you have to be a champion to wear that jacket, though. That's a, that's a great jacket. Yeah. And nice. The shoes are nice as well. So yeah. the shoe game is on point there. Uh, it is. I guess he's a sneakerhead or something. There's the introduction of the girl power with the with all the new T-shirts out there. Yeah, didn't we? Weren't they selling those T-shirts as a couple weeks back? Actually, they may have been selling them. Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure they were, but I don't remember really getting a a, a good promo on those until this week's show and right. or saw social media. Which, by the way, folks, we're now up on Twitter, yeah, and Instagram. Uh, just look us up. Back into the fire. At back into the fire on both formats. And if you want to contact us by email, it's back into the fire pod at gmail.com. That's right. We're official now and uh, everybody's out there can, can see what we're up to finally. So I, I tell you, I liked how this episode started with the opening montage of the Aldous and Storm feud. That was one of the better packages I feel like they've they've had on there. It mm-hmm. was you know, really well edited, really encapsulated the the details of everything from beginning to end. And right, I mean, you called it last week when you called Nick Aldis Darth Aldis because boy, he was he he was full of hateful harangues this week toward Tim Storm. He was, and and then the to bail on the match at the at the last minute was sort of disappointing. I think that pissed off a lot of people. I think the internet was sort of collectively mad about that. But at the same time, we, we kind of expected that. Boy, that interview where he came out, you know, and, and got in, in Tim Storm's face about, you know, you're, you're all, you know, full of piss and vinegar and I'm here all mm-hmm. calm and you're dressed and ready to go. And, and then he was encouraging him to lash out in anger. He, he definitely sounded like Darth Vader out of Empire Strikes Back or Palpatine or something. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. you know, let go of your hate. I thought, you know, maybe we'd see a little scuffle there, but. Yeah. Didn't you expect some sort of a run out by members of Strictly Business, like maybe a sneak attack or something? From behind, yeah, like maybe they try to injure him before the match and or something like that. Uh, for sure, yeah, it, it was definitely a, it was one of the better moments of the show. I think that they've had up to this point. It was, it, it, you know, you could really feel the, the the power of that moment, and and boy, uh, Aldous healing it out, you know, right exceptionally well right here, and even referring to. Some of the old dudes in the locker room is Randy the Rams, I guess. Oh, yeah, that was a it, referring to Storm in front of him, but also like a Ricky Morton in the back or Robert Gibson. I think the best part about that comment was just the look of of uh, disgust on the face of Dave Marquez when he he just kind of gave him a look like that wasn't really necessary, was it? Randy the Rams, folks, if you don't know, is apparently a reference from the uh, wrestler movie that came out, I guess, about 10 years ago. Um, about a washed up wrestler trying to make a comeback. Right, right. Great movie. It's very dark and, and, um, it's depressing. But, uh, but boy, that reference was really spot on in this case. 
So we had uh, the the exposition, our exhibition match with Aaron Shooter Stevens facing off against uh, Jobber number one. What's the guy's name? Oh, was that Sal Ranallo again? Sal Ranaro, yeah. Yeah, that was not that was an interesting match uh, from from the uh, from the you know Shooter Stevens perspective because he wasn't wearing the the nude shorts anymore. He actually had on the the karate gi, karate mm-hmm. gi. Yeah, and he was doing some you know crazy you know kar- karate kid sort of stunts in there. In fact, uh, he was Sal actually was taunting him with the crane kick or something. But he was. Uh, yeah. It was it was a fun little match. I enjoyed Stu Bennett's uh, pandering of of um, <laughs> Aaron Stevens like he was the the greatest wrestler since Luthez to step into the ring. The most and, uh, deadly wrestler of all time. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that commentary was so smug and, it was. and, and, and really, really tongue in cheek. I yeah. don't know if he was trying to intentionally present like, you know, he really believes Stevens was this <laughs> awesome wrestler or just being a smart ass. It's hard to tell with, with a guy like that. I, I think it was, it was probably the, to. it was probably the latter. Cause, cause Joe Galley was like, what are, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, a, it was fun, more fun listening to the commentary than it was watching the match. To be honest. They, yeah, the, the, the commentary, they sounded like they were having fun. Sounded like they, you know, for having good chemistry, calling these matches, which was something I enjoyed. Yeah, I think it's 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 really ramping up. I think they're they're really starting to gel, and it's they sound great in there. Um, good commentary on that one for sure. And and that match was finished with uh, was it the Mongrovian Mongrovian clutch? Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. Which I put it looked like sort of like I don't know if you remember the million dollar sleeper that's finisher ted dibiase used to move which i'm sure there's other names for it but it looked like a variation of a sleeper hold nothing uh spectacularly new you got that obscure knowledge on the on this stuff uh, ted dibiase finisher wow <laughs> i'm impressed it's just from hours of wasting my time when i was a kid so. <laughs> and who'd have thought you'd ever use that info again, i know right, right? Uh, Trevor Murdoch, uh, finally, they let him, they let him win one here. So that was a good little match. Finally. Yeah. I was like, oh, here comes Murdoch to get jobbed again or whatever. But, um, but no, he, uh, he was impressive. Solid win. Another finisher, submission finisher, the Indian Deathlock, which is a variation of a, of a figure four, sort of. So Stevens beat Sal with the Mongrovian clutch. And then he wouldn't let it go, so we yeah. had we had a run in, run in by Murdoch, yeah, who Murdoch. Uh, trying to be Mister Nice Guy, I guess, get in there, save uh, save Sal, put up his um, television title spot, um, put it on the line, right? I think For that's Stevens. right. Yeah, yeah. So the Pope did a little interview with Eddie Kingston and Homicide, and, and we learned a little bit more about Homicide. Apparently, he was a a world champion back in the Northeast. For the life of me, I can't figure out where the interview was going, though. It seems like it was chopped pretty quickly and <laughs> before they decided, you know. Yeah, that definitely wasn't the highlight of the show for me. I, and I'm still waiting on to see where uh, where, the, where we're going to see some of these 
circle squared uh, segments come in. We haven't seen one of those yeah. yet. So, uh, but anyway, it looks like they're announced. They announced on this show two new features that may be coming to their website: Power Surge and okay. Girl Power. I can't say with any certainty, but it looks like these might be some sort of interview segments because right after they promoted this on NWA Power, we saw mm-hmm. we saw the interview segment led by the Pope, right. Eddie, Eddie Kingston at Homicide, and then after the Girl Power promo, we saw uh, the segment with Allison Kay and, and some of her other ladies there. Uh, doing their little ringside interview, a little ringside chat. So I don't know if this is like a little web feature, maybe some extra content. Um, because, yeah. because like you were saying, they have so much, only have a certain amount of time for the show and they probably produce a lot more content, you know, when they meet up for tapings. I feel like if this is something they're trying to do to, um, you know, to put a little extra into the program. Yeah. It fell a little flat to me. I feel like um, for a wrestling show, you need to have a little more fire, a little more enthusiasm. And to me, it it just sort of felt like people being very introspective and feeling sorry for themselves and and almost like a, I don't know, even with with the girls thing, especially they they seem to be trying to give advice to one another or something. (laughs) It seemed more like a... um, I don't know, a, a counseling session than a wrestling interview to me. Well, I guess we're not the target audience for the girl power, for sure. I, I'm very interested in, in the female wrestlers. I me enjoy too. the matches. I really do. I enjoy everything else. But this just felt felt to me like, you know, it, it didn't quite hit home. Well, I guess maybe they're trying, you know, I think in the past, maybe we've complained a little bit about how we didn't understand the nature of the bad blood between Marty Bell and uh-huh. Allison Kay. So maybe this is their way of providing a little context to that. Uh, they showed some of the Instagram photos of, of those two together, a little montage there. Right. Uh, I mean, it was a little cringy to watch, I guess. It, you know, if, <laughs> if, if you're a dude watching this, it might have been a little cringy, but... I don't know that we really learned that much more. Uh, we, you know, we sort no. of learned, learned more about the relationship with Marty Bell and Melina on this episode. Uh, I see that that to me was the most interesting part in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the female segments on the on the broadcast, certainly with uh, Marty seeking, you know, Melina's approval. Yeah. Um little in the interview more so in the match and then falling flat on her face um both literally and figuratively well you know back as far as the into the fire pay-per-view i i'm I'm sure you noticed that while that match was going on the uh the match involving melina and marty Mm -hmm. bell you know they were she was looking toward melina for advice during that match Mm -hmm. and i feel like every match we've seen her in she's still doing that and she was certainly doing that in this particular match against Tasha Steeles. I mean, I half expected Tasha Steeles to come up behind her and, and knock her out while she was turning around right. looking at Molina. So I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're playing that little angle a little too hard. But uh, you know, unfortunately for Marty, Tasha Steeles won. It was a much better looking version of Tasha Steeles that we saw on Into the Fire. Yeah. She didn't put up much of a fight against Thunder Rosa, but nobody really does. So right. um, but 
Melina in the manager role has been pretty good. I have to admit, she, she uh, works very well in that role. And I mean, I felt felt very really bad for Marty Bell after that when I, you know, I did too. I thought, you know, how long is she going to take abuse like this from Melina? Get, getting the scorn, the fury from Melina, <laughs> right? Uh, right after you got your face smashed into the mat. I don't know. I did feel kind of bad for. Her. But we'll see. We'll see how long she puts up with it. And, you know, eventually it looks like if the angles played out the way it's going, you know, Marty is going to eventually just get fed up and probably turn on Molina. Right. I think that's might be what they're working back up to. But uh, we'll see. I did like the fact that Tasha Steele's got a decent a decent match this time. I kind of hated that they brought her in during the pay-per-view and just to get kind of pounded but uh yeah but yeah she had a good match this time it was a, a good, right. ba- good balanced match and uh you know hopefully we see more things like that i think we learned that uh, zicky dice will be <laughs> facing caleb conley in the for the for the chance in the tv tournament i don't know caleb conley have we seen him on the show up to this point <laughs> biggest news of the night caleb conley will return to nwa power he was on okay. some of the earlier episodes i believe he wrestled um Ricky Starks in a pretty early on episode yeah, last yeah. last year, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds maybe, familiar. Maybe Ricky Starks and another person, but um, yeah, huh. I don't know much about him. Okay, well, you know, and I guess we were wrong on our last episode. We thought that Zicky Dice had already qualified for the TV tournament, but apparently he was in a match to qualify in order to try to qualify yes. for the TV tournament. Okay. He was in a jobber elimination match to there start. You go. And now he's in the real thing, I guess. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, the final match of the evening, I was really, I'd been looking forward to this for a week. Yeah, me too. Actually more than a week because they pushed back the air date to Wednesday rather than Tuesday. Right. Which was probably smart because it was New Year's Eve, but I was really looking forward to Nick Aldis versus Tim Storm, and uh, you know we didn't get that. So no, nah. I feel like um, the crowd the crowd was so belligerent. <laughs> crowd was fed up. You know, I think they're really pushing hard for Aldis to to look like a a heel. You know, I think the fact that he came up with this excuse of why he didn't want to, you know, he wanted to have fun. He wanted to to do this just sort of to amuse himself, and when Tim Storm decided that this was personal. He's like, well, it's not fun for me anymore and all that. Because he'd already um, mowed through every every competitor. Yeah. I love when he, I, I tell you, I love the way Aldous talks. He uses some really interesting, interesting phrasing in there. And I do, too. He's a great interview for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, I mean, and I, you know, the thing was, I was mad because I wanted to see them wrestle and I thought there'd be some intrigue to it. But at the same time, I wasn't mad because. I understood in his heel role, that's what he has to do. And, you know, you can't just, you can't give up everything, right? You know, right at the beginning, you have to keep the, keep the struggle going for these two guys. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, to Tim Storm's credit, he was fired up. I'm I'm tired of seeing him lose. So he finally, he wins one against Royce Isaacs. Yeah. uh, Sacrificial lamp. It's funny how all this sort of just volunteered Royce to go out there and fight. Tim Storm and you know Royce had this look on his face like I don't want to do that this guy's pissed at you why should I want to 
go in there and take the yeah the brunt of the punishment, but he, but he does. I mean, you know, Royce Isaacs. I don't think he's as big as some of these guys, and certainly Tim Storm's a big dude. Yeah, and, uh, it was it was another you know balanced, convincing matchup. Right, and uh, Tim Storm looked like a man on a mission in there, and mm-hmm. he, you know he did great and uh, put down a, a finisher, which to me doesn't look. It, it's a cool finisher, but I don't know how it's more impactful than some of these other moves they do. Nah, it seems it, like kind of like a low impact. It's like hardly even a body slam. You know, it's a uh, sort of a side body slam, which. You know, I guess everybody has to have a finisher. Yeah. Um, I would peg him for more of a, I don't know, maybe a, um, a submission type finisher or something like that. Somebody as big and, you know, bulky sure. as he is, but, but it works for him, I guess. Both of the storms, Tim and James Storm, both have right. finishers involving circular motions. Really? Yeah, well, there's the eye of the storm, and then there—I think that's what it's called, right? That's yeah. James Storm, where he puts him sort of in that crucifix and spins him around a little, which is kind of a you're right, crazy, you're right, crazy finisher there, honestly. Escape my memory. Well, it's it's not very memorable, honestly. <laughs> Just haven't seen enough of these guys to start no, remembering. I, I mean, some of them are more memorable than others, but like the Mongrovian spike, of course, but. Yes, I'll try not to call it a spear this time. I keep doing that. But uh, no, I like that match. I felt like it, you know, I felt like it was a perfect length. I mean, because it had it had to fit within six minutes. So, oh, yeah, it was I felt short. Like, I felt like the matchup was convincing for once. And it, I didn't see a lot of like miscues and, you know, helping somebody up on the top rope to, to suplex them off and, you know, stagey fist fighting. Yeah, I thought it was a good match. It was good. Mm-hmm. But you're right, though. You you would have thought that there would have been some interference from mm-hmm. Camille or hell, you know, put put May Valentine in there since that was her boy getting you know beaten in there. Something because there was there's four of them outside, you know, and it seems like if all this is gonna go full hill, you know, you gotta you gotta. I get some cheating in there at least. Some, you know, yeah. grab a grab a leg or something to trip something. somebody up when they go into the to the ropes for the Irish whip. You know, right, right. Do you understand what's going on with Ricky Morton and Nick Aldis? I think Ricky Morton, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago made a comment about um, Aldis not being on the same level as Flair and. Right. Uh, kind of received all this is ire for that, which you can understand a little bit. Um, yep. And uh, like Tim Storm, I think all this is just deciding to, you know, try to come at Morton a little bit, especially some of these, these interviews where he mentions Morton being like a, was it Randy the Ram type or whatever? Well, I guess Ricky Morton would be, in that camp, you know, because yeah. he's, he's an older wrestler, but uh, it just seems like, well, again, but in all this trying to be the the perfect heel here, right? Uh, he he's he's right to pick on Ricky Morton, but it just seems right. kind of like overkill at this point. Yeah, why are you picking on Ricky Morton, man? I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe Ricky'll double drop kick him or something. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, the questions we have after this episode is where. Is Tim Storm and all this, where is that feud going? Where is Ricky Morton and all this? Where is that going to go? Um, 
is this the complete risky? The hell is it risky? Strictly business. Strictly, see, <laughs> there we go. Can't even remember the damn name of it. I, it's it's so forgettable. I you know I hate that. It, it's uh, I mean I don't mind the name. I just can't remember it for some reason. It's, yeah, it's just very generic sounding, and uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. So is their organization? You know, is that it? Are they going to recruit another member? I know you mentioned Ricky Starks looked like he would be a good recruit. Um, right. Right. You know, would that be too many? I, I mean, I don't know. That's a lot of people. In what is Camille there. at this point? What is Camille's purpose in all of this? Is she just basically, I don't know, just sort of the stand around, be like the manager type, or is she going to become more involved in actually wrestling? I, you know, I've said it before. I really hope we get to see her wrestle. I hope that this May Valentine gets in there and, and shakes it up a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it, I'm not exactly sure, but we have, we have Aldous. We have the two wild cards. Right. Uh, Royce and, and Tom. So yeah. I guess that does leave a, a fourth spot for a guy if you wanted to be a four, true four, four horseman type situation. Right. And, uh, I think Starks might be the guy there, but you know, I don't know. They, they always, uh, you know, it tend to subvert our expectations a little bit, which is, which is good. They didn't mention the villain on this episode. Um, he's, yeah, we haven't heard much about him here lately. So, so is he, is he going to be a regular on the program or is he going to be at the pay per view? Is he just sort of a one and done type? Maybe they'll get him for another match against. All this without really any build up or anything. I, I don't know where they're going with that either. I, I don't know. They clearly they have to be planning on using him in some capacity, but uh, mm-hmm. whatever that capacity is, it seems like sure, sure seems like that the the uh, the logical path to that would be that they would face off at hard times. But I mean, who knows? The the all the hard times promos seem to indicate that it's mostly based around the TV title. The TV title, which is only going to be one match, though, right? Is that the tournament's going to... Yeah. Are there going to be a few matches, like a semi and a final round in that in that particular program? I don't know. I, I don't know, but I did find one thing intriguing this week. You know, if you go on... You know, social media, everybody has an opinion on this stuff. And mm-hmm. if you if you go on YouTube and look at this episode on YouTube and look in the comments, the NWA power account or the NWA account was was actively responding to fans in this particular. And maybe they always do that, but I've never noticed it before. But right. somebody somebody had a question about about Marty Skrull. And I can't even remember I, th- I think I think there was a comment like you know keep watching. I think that was the response from NWA. So okay. So there's there's definitely something going on there. Hmm. One thing that I thought was funny on this episode is you know so uh, Thunder Rosa was is supposed to be wrestling ODB right, and they specifically mentioned that that matchup has not yet been contracted or sanctioned by the NWA or something oh. like that. Huh. Yet I didn't catch that. Yet Trevor Murdoch can come out and have a have a match that seems you know perfectly fine with Aaron Stevens. Mm-hmm. Nick Aldis can say I don't want to wrestle Tim Storm and put Royce Isaacs in there. That's not sanctioned or contracted, right? 
It's very strange. It was, I yeah. thought it was a funny thing to say. You know, just say they're doing it next week. I mean, why? Why? Why the? Uh, why do they have to say that we, that we haven't, it hasn't been contracted yet or whatever? It's interesting. So I wonder if they even taped the the bout yet, or it's not going to be until after the next series of tapings. One of the people. So somebody said in the comments, "When is the Circle Squared going to start?" And somebody commented, I read spoilers, look some of them up. It should be really good. What spoilers? <laughs> spoilers for something Spoilers that hasn't for Circle happened. Squared? Yeah, I don't know what that's all about. What did you think of the, the Hard Times promo featuring the song Hard Times by William Patrick Corrigan? I liked it. It was well produced. I liked the gritty, the, the black and white look of it. Um... I like the yeah. song too. I've been listening to that thing repeatedly ever since I heard that. I, I, you told me you like the song. I haven't got the song yet, but I plan on getting it. Um, it just had, it, it seemed to focus mostly on all this. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll see is, so is all this out of the television tournament because he subbed in Royce? Yeah, I mean, so. I, I guess if he was going to go up against Marty Skrull, that would be the way to take him out of the running for that. Right. Without, without him getting actually beat by someone, which would be crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like it's almost too soon to, to have the, the Skrull always match, but maybe not. I don't know. Well, I think it's too soon to have a pay-per-view, like barely a, a month after the other one. So, And you know what else I, I noticed is they've raised the price of the tickets by 10 bucks on that one. I, I was c- kind of confused yeah. by why they would raise the price by 10 bucks, but They know it's going to sell out. Yeah. It's 240 seats. They could probably have raised the price by, they probably have doubled the price and it would have sold out, I bet. And they make another twenty four hundred. I guess that would buy a couple more jackets or something yeah. for the merch table. <laughs> exactly. If you if you wanted to do get the best deal, you'd get the pay per view plus the uh, two days of additional studio taping ticket, which is an eighty dollar ticket. Right. So that would probably be your best bet there in terms of in terms of value because you'd get to see a lot of wrestling. Well, all the matches for the for the next. Yeah. Six weeks would be the only drawback to that. Yeah, as fascinating as it would be to do that, I do feel like there would be a spoiler. It it wouldn't make watching the show nearly as compelling. No. And, and then you just have us talking about, well, when we were in the studio taping, yeah. we saw that, you know. You'd, uh-huh. Yeah, for exactly. sure. You ready to wrap it up? I think so. Thanks again, folks, for listening to Back Into the Fire with the deans of NWA podcasting. Joe Till and Andy Hayworth. Uh, be sure to follow us. Uh, social media, we have a Twitter account, all new, uh, at Back Into the Fire, as well as Instagram, also at Back Into the Fire. And you can email us, Back Into the Fire Pod at gmail.com. Right on. Yeah. Tell us, tell us how poorly we're doing here. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> no, tell us how wonderful we're doing. Yeah, right on. Well, yeah, it's uh, we'll, we'll we'll be back next week after the next episode of Power, and uh, until then, we'll we'll try and be on the social networks, uh, interacting with folks. If you're out there listening, see you.